Everybody doing good? Okay, a few of you are. I was uh, thinking about uh, how many of you are going through some stuff right now? Big stuff or little stuff? How many of you are going through some big stuff right now? How many of you are going through some little stuff right now? All right. You know, sometimes we think that God is um, more interested in, you know, the crisis in our lives. But I was reading 2 Kings 16 or 2 Kings 6 about uh, Elisha and the man that had borrowed an axe. An axe. I mean, you could probably buy one over at Home Depot for 7 or $8. And the head falls off of the axe. And, I mean, this guy's in a panic. He says, my Lord, it was borrowed. I borrowed that. And you know what? You know, you guys know the rest of the story. Elisha's like, where did it fall? And he takes a stick and throws it in the water, and the axe head floats. It was a little thing. So if God is concerned about the little things that are going on in your life right now, don't you think that he's concerned about the big things as well? And many times we just think, oh, this is too, 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 I mean, God, he's running the universe. He's not interested in an axe head, a floating axe head, but he really is. He's concerned about what is concerning you right now. So I'm going to pray for you this morning before we get started, and uh, I want to just thank our worship team. You guys did an awesome job this morning. You guys do every week. Just join me for just for a moment in prayer. You know, this is our, uh, in the summers when we do our uh, first uh, Sunday of the month uh, church picnic, we shift, normally we would have our family communi- uh, communion on the first Sunday, but in the summer, we shift that to the second Sunday, so we'll be having communion after the service this morning. But before we, uh, before we get there and get to the Word, I just want to, uh, I want us to think about big things, little things, things that are troubling you, things that have, you know, stressed you out this week, things that have frustrated you. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's relationships, maybe it's finances, maybe you just feel like, you know, just... Lord, you know, I, I just feel like I can't take one more thing in my life. It's not one more thing added to my life. I just can't deal with it. But I'm going to just pray that God would give you strength, that he would empower you. The scripture talks about how he strengthens. You know, Paul says, I can do all things, all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so if you need strengthening from the Lord this morning, let's just kind of close our eyes and Lift our hands up, and you can go full mass, half mass. Uh, you can just cup your hands if you want. But, Father, we just bless you. Lord, we declare that you are worthy of our praise this morning, that you are God of all creation, Father, that you hold all things together by the power of your word. And, Lord, that you know what your people are going through. You know the stress, the trials. Your word speaks about in the last days, perilous times would come upon the nations, Lord God. That nation would rise against nation. We're starting to see that. Lord, we know the tough economic times that people are in. Father, that and while your, your word tells us not to worry, sometimes it's difficult. It's hard for us not to worry. We think about bills and house payments and insurance and health and sickness and life and death and children growing up in a, just a corrupt world because the days are evil, as your word says. But, Father, we pray that you would 
Just breathe the fresh on us this morning. Breathe on your people. Let the power of your Holy Spirit fall in this place, Lord God, and that you would strengthen your people, Lord God, that we could do kingdom work. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, like you really meant it, amen. All right, all right. Well, welcome, everybody. Um, if you're uh, visiting this morning, my name's Ron Sebesta. I'm the pastor. That was my lovely wife, Nina, that was just sharing earlier and taking up the um, taking up the offering. Um, amen. Woohoo! <laughs> and that's my great little grandson. She's walking out, Riley. Um, so we've been in this series, uh, a Bruce Wilkerson series that we did. I did years and years ago. I don't think we ever shared it with the church. We did it on a Wednesday night. And there were just some things that I felt like I needed to go back that the Lord was just kind of like bringing up in my life. And um, one of the things I think that we face as Christians is um, we don't see our today life or our spiritual life connected with our tomorrow life, our Monday morning life. Somehow it's separated in our hearts and in our minds. We think about, okay, this is what I do on Sunday, and this is what I do Monday through Saturday. And, you know, and when you start talking to people that are involved in ministry, I was talking to Bob Getemi earlier this morning, and I know that he goes to, he's been going to Indy over the last couple of years, and, you know, they go over, they drill water wells, and, you know, I've often thought, man, I'd like to do that. That's so, that's so cool. You know, you bring, you know, a whole village that doesn't have water, and you drill a water well. And we, the church has actually been uh, involved in, in uh, purchasing and paying for water wells in some of those villages. It's where some of your tithes and, and your offerings go. I think we're taking right now, Michael, are we, are we, take, we take 15% of our tithes and offerings that we take. So every Sunday when we take up an offering, 15% of that money either goes to Mexico or it goes to Israel or it can go to India and just, you know, different ministries that we support. But... As I was talking to Bob, and he was talking about maybe not going to uh, India this year, but maybe to Africa. And, you know, I know that if you're like me, you know, you're thinking, gosh, that's, man, that sounds so cool. That sounds so, so important. You know, that, that work of God sounds so much important than, than what I'm doing. You know, just kind of where I am in my life and, and what I do Monday through Saturday. It's just kind of like, you know, it's just kind of like mundane. It's just, just plain. It's bland and you know, I don't get as excited about that as I would going into a village and, you know, bringing some water in or, or building a, a church or, or helping people, you know, in faraway places. And how many of you have ever felt that way? I mean, just being honest, you know, just, you know, a few of you have. So, um, well, since the rest of you, I just forget it. You know, I just, we're, we're done. <laughs> there goes my message, you know. <laughs> no, I know that if we're really... Uh, if we're really honest, um, you know, somehow we put a greater emphasis on um, the, quote, spiritual things that we do uh, on Sunday or if you're involved in a ministry, we kind of put a, a heavier weight on that and more importance on that than what we do uh, Monday through Saturday. And so we've been talking about the phases of our life. You know, first of all, we have life ourselves. We're born. Um, I won't go into subterranean, uh, Dylan's uh, subterranean blues song, but, uh, you know, get born, keep warm, short pants, 
romance, learn to dance, get dressed, get blessed, try to be a success, please her, please him, don't steal, don't lift, 20 years of schooling, and they put you on the day shift. You know, I mean, that's kind of like, that's, it's like that's how we live, you know? I mean, you know, is that really all there is to life? I mean, here I am, 20 years, and, you know, I've got education, and, and it's just like there's no meaning into that. Solomon says that it's all, you know, uh, it's, it's vanity. It's just a chasing after the wind. But the phases of our, of our life are we are, you know, you're born, you have life, and then you have death. And, um, and after your death, there's a destination. There's a place that you go. The Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so that you're either going to be present with the Lord for eternity in heaven, or you're going to be away from the Lord. You're going to be separated from the Lord for eternity. That's called hell. And, uh, you know, then we have a resurrection uh, at some point. And then the Bible talks about rewards, and then it talks about how we will spend our eternity. Let me just share a couple of scriptures just for some of those that you that have missed the last couple of weeks. Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 28, he says, don't marvel at this. He says, the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those that have done good, to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of of condemnation. So he's saying that, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, theories and philosophies out there that, you know, when you're dead, you're dead. But according to the Bible, that's not true, that when you're dead, there will be a resurrection and um, there will be a time of giving an account of our life. But he says um, in Luke chapter 14, he's talking about you know, when the disciples came in and they were sitting at a table and everybody was jockeying for positions and, you know, where do I get to sit? Who's important? The most important person sits to one side of the host, the left or the right. Remember, uh, James and John, their mother said to Jesus, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, let my son sit on, you know, one on your left and one on your right. These are positions of authority and positions of, of, of importance. And so at this feast, Jesus was saying that when you give a feast, Invite the poor. He says, if you buy, invite your friends, they in turn are going to just invite you back. And so you really haven't really accomplished anything. He says, invite those that can't pay you back. Um, he says, and then you will be blessed because they can't repay you. Now listen to this. He says, but you shall be repaid. You shall be repaid. Re remember, we said that that word, the Greek word is apodidomai. It's, it's a payment. And God's saying that I, at the end of life, when life is over and all is said and done, that I am going to repay you at the resurrection, at the resurrection of the just. You'll be paid at the resurrection of the just. And then in another place, he says in Luke chapter 6, uh, he's talking about those that are being mistreated, those that uh, have um, uh, persecuted you. He says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Now, as I said last week, you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm persecuted, I don't feel like leaping for joy. That's the last thing that I want to do. It's the last thing that's on my mind. But he says, leap for joy, for indeed, listen, your reward, there's that word again, your reward is great in heaven, for in a like manner their fathers did to the prophet. So in the first scripture, we had the word, they're very similar, but one of them is a little bit different. One of them is 
wages that you know that you have that you have earned. It says that you will re be repaid. Apodidomai means that you will repay. It's like the scripture says that whosoever lends to the Lord, that you know God will repay him, and and I, I believe that God pays better than than we do. And then the second one is that rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward, your misthos or your wages. It's like a check that you have earned for work, for working for God. We'll get into it just a little bit more here in a moment. Um, I'm just trying to set the background so that you can understand this. He says, and then in Revelation 22, he actually uses both of those words together, apodidomai and, and misthos. And it's, it's the last thing that Jesus says that seems to be one of the most important things on his mind before he is, you know, giving John just kind of like these, these last instructions. The last words of, Re of Revelation chapter tw 22, verse, starting at verse 12. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And so he uses both of those words, apodidomai and misthos. He says that when I come again, it's not, hap it's not happening. I mean, some of it happens here. Remember when Jesus said, Lord, we've left it all. We've left houses and we've left wives and we've left children. And, you know, we've left it all for you. You know, is, is, are we entitled to anything for this? And Jesus said, not only would you be repaid in this life, but also in the one to come. And he actually speaks about more about the one to come and rewards that come in that life than he does about this life. But nonetheless, he does mention both of them. And so the Bible says that all of us, everyone, every believer will stand what we call the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ. It's talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so he says that, so we are confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, that means like here today, that we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. That's what Paul's saying. I would rather just die right now and just go on to be with Christ. He says in another place, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, he's saying that I would, frankly, I'd rather be with Jesus, but I know that it's necessary and it's needful for me, he, Paul was saying, to be with you so I can instruct you and disciple you and encourage you, edify you, exhort you. He says, therefore, we make it our aim whether we are absent to be well-pleasing to him. For we must all appear, all of us must appear before the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ. That is... Uh, that word comes from uh, uh, the Olympic Games back in those days in Greece when they had those, uh, those games, and they would have judges set up. And when, they, when you crossed the finish line, if you ran the race well, then you would receive the reward. If for some reason you cheated, if you cut off a couple of blocks or something, the judges would sit there and say, you know what, you, you've disqualified yourself from the race because you didn't run it according to the rules. And Jesus is saying here, or the, Paul is saying to the church here, he says, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema seat that each one, listen, why are we standing there? Not to be judged, not to be sentenced to, you know, to hell. That's not what this is about. This is about receiving the rewards for the way that you've lived your life. 
Each one of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he, was, what he has done, uh, good or bad. And then he goes on to say in uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, according to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid a foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation, and was talking about this is how, this is how we live our life. Uh, you know, there are some things that will stand the test of fire. And he talks about it. He says, if anyone builds on that foundation, gold, I, you know, I used to be a silversmith. Uh, when I first came to Santa Fe, one of the things that I did. Got very good at it. Uh, but many times I would have to put, if I was uh, making something out of silver, I'd have to run it through the, cru uh, the crucible. And you would heat it up to the point where the silver would just, I mean, it would just glow red hot. And then we used a, a, just a common, it's called borax soap. I mean, you can still buy it at the you know, grocery store today. You'd add just a little pinch of borax soap to it, and it would cause all of the impurities in that silver to rise to the top. And then you just take a tool, and you just scrape it off. You scrape that off. So the silver never could be burned up. The gold would never be burned up. The silver would never be burned up. He's saying these are things that will stand the test of fire. And then he talks about other things that are, you know, that are valuable, uh, precious stone. And then he talks about wood and hay and straw. Well, these things, wood, hay, and straw, certainly would be burned up. I mean, they can't stand the test of fire. He says, and each one's work will become clear for the day, the day of the Lord will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. You're going to receive a reward for the work that you've done for the Lord. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as uh, through fire. So, that's the Bema judgment seat, or what we call the judgment seat of Christ. There's another one. There's two judgments in the Bible. This one comes from Revelation, Revelation chapter 20. It's called the great white throne judgment. And this is for unbelievers. When unbelievers, those that have rejected Christ and God's word and God's message all of their life, they've rejected him, they've shaken their defiant fist in his face, and the Bible says this is what happened. John says, I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and heavens had fled away. And there was no place found for them. And I saw the dead, the small, the great, standing before God. That's you know, kings and queens and, you know, people of, you know, of great influence. Uh, that would be, you know, those that our world looks up today. Many of those that are in Hollywood, that, you know, they've got, you know, they've got great success They've achieved in this world. They've, you know, they, they have found fame. They have found fortune. But they have neglected and denied and rejected God's son, Jesus Christ. And he says that another book was open. It was, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the book. And the sea gave up its dead and those that were in it. And death and Hades, that's just simply talking about the grave. It says, delivered up the, those that were dead in them. I mean, that's just powder, dust. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes, and they were judged each one according to their, help me out, 
according to their works. They were judged according to their works. And death and hell were cast, cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And anyone's name who was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so, uh, you know, I, I have people ask me, you know, is it, you know, we try, we continue, continually try to separate our lives into two compartments. One is my spiritual life, and one is my my everyday life. Um, and it, it's just like you know, people ask, are there are there really are there any rewards for what I do Monday through Saturday, or is it just you know my spiritual work? Is it just my when I'm serving the homeless, or you know, we it's Mexico uh, missions weekend this weekend. We've got a group down in Mexico. Um, you know, is, is it is that really what counts? Or is God looking at my everyday life? And I want to tell you, yes, he is. And your everyday life is important to God. And so, um, listen to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. And then I'm going to give you an illustration. He says, God is not unjust. Listen to this. God is not unjust to forget your work. And you think, well, what is it? What is my work? I don't, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a missionary. I'm not, you know, going on long missionary journeys. So what's he talking about? God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, shown to others in his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and you continue to minister. And so... Um, let me just, there's, there's about six points that I'm going to cover here, and I'm going to go through them fairly quickly. Um, number one, so if you're not in full-time ministry, what do you, what do, you do? How, how do? What does God expect of you? What does he expect you to do on a daily basis? Number one, work for your employer like you're working for God. That's what the scripture says. Work for your employer, employer uh, and you work like you want him to be successful. Um, listen to this from Ephesians chapter 5, or excuse me, 6. It says, bond servants, he's talking to slaves, but he's not just talking to slaves. We'll see as we read on. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service. What's that mean? What that means is, is that you're, sending text messages, and you're talking on your telephone, and then all of a sudden you see your boss coming around the corner, and you get back over here and you act like you're really busy. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm working away. Whew! Hard day. You know, he says, not with eye service. Don't just do things to be seen by your boss so it looks like you're working, but he says, do it sincerity of, as in sincerity of heart. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord. Listen to this. As to the Lord, not to men. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive, listen, he will receive the same reward. You're going to get the same reward because you're not doing it to the man. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Whether he is, listen, we go back to this, the reason whether he is slave or, are free. Let me give you an example of that. I need three volunteers. 
Come on, come on. Donald's coming. Give me two more. Bring that mic if you would too, Donald. Okay, Twyla, got Twyla. All right, good, good. Come on, come on up here. I need you guys. All right, Greg. Got Donald, Twyla, and Greg. All right, I need a good guy and a bad guy. Are you going to be the bad? Okay. All right, Greg, you want to be the you want to be the good guy? Sure. Okay. And Donald's going to be God. Okay. I mean, he's always wanted to be God. <laughs> All right. I need you guys to come over here. Just kind of face each other. Okay. So Twilight's going to be the bad guy. And uh, all right. And I need you to stand behind. I need you to stand behind Greg. God, get over here. <laughs> okay. So Greg, this is your boss. And uh, she's mean and she's ruthless. And um, you know, she makes life miserable for you every day. And what's your attitude? I mean, you know, do you really feel like giving it 100%? You know, when you're working with somebody like that? I mean, I'm, I'm asking you to just think like, don't think spiritually. Just think like maybe the world would think. You know, why should you? What, what, what's the point of even trying? If everything that you do comes back in your face, what's the point of it? Not much. Okay. And so, so God, what do you think? What, what, what are you saying in this? Why, why should he? Why should he treat her with respect and dignity, even though she's in his face giving him a hard time? You know, what's the point? Why should he? Because he, re he, rep he represents me. He represents you. Okay. Good answer. Right? All right. So, um, so she continues to, you know, be mean and, and just kind of ride you and give you a hard time. And you can hear this little voice on the other side of you saying, Greg. Greg, be humble. You represent me. Represent me by your love and your compassion and your patience. But why, Lord? Look the way she's treating me. I might use you to change her. <laughs> so continue in my ways. Okay. Stay fast. Stay the course. Amen. Amen. All right. Give these guys a hand here. <laughs> All right. Really, the bottom line is just it is that. It's exactly like that. That, you know, that we do our service to one another and to those that we work for just like we're doing it for the Lord. Lord, I mean, you don't understand how bad this person is, how bad they treat me. And Jesus is just whispering, where the Holy Spirit is whispering, you know, work for them like you're working for me because great is your reward in heaven. You just, you know, you just continue on. And like Donald said, uh, slash God, um, you know, like, like the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, you never can tell that, you know, it's just like, you know, at some point that person's going to think, Twilight's going to think, man, this dude is driving me crazy. Every time I try to, you know, rub it in his face, he comes back with something nice. He's kind to me. He's gentle. I mean, he respects me. And I know that, you know, I, it's just like, you know, he has a way of pushing my button. But at the same time, you know, he also, it's just like he doesn't respond like all of the other employees respond. There's something different about Greg. There's something different about his life that, you know, that, is, is causing me 
to take notice. And that's what God is saying in this passage of Scripture. He's saying, bondservants, I want you to be obedient to those that are your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, but are like men's pleasers, but doing the will of God, doing good will, doing good service as to the Lord and not to men, and you will receive. You'll receive the same. You'll receive that reward back from God. Second point is, uh, seek the Lord through prayer and fasting. Does God reward prayer and fasting? Well, the scripture seems to indicate that in Matthew chapter 6. And it's called, you know, um, our spiritual discipline. It says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go to your, go to your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. God's going to reward you openly. And so... You know, your spiritual discipline does bring reward. The third point is, help those that are in need. The Bible talks about being a minister to the poor and the widows and the orphans and those that are in prison. Matthew 25 talks about visiting those that are in prison, helping with food and clothing. It says, uh, Paul writes to Titus in chapter 3, he says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Again, James says, pure, this pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. You know, I hope I'm making myself clear. What I'm really trying to tell you this morning is that you don't have to go to Africa. I'm glad if you go. I'm, I'm happy that, you, that you're going or India or any place else. There, the, you know, there is a mission field right before you in your office place. And there are those that are taking notice of you and the way that you live your life. You know, it's not just what you say, not just the words that you speak, but how you're living your life and how you're treating other people. And so the next thing is loving your family. I mean, that's a ministry in itself. I mean, you know, you heard Shannon up here earlier talking about, you know, ministering to, you know, a grandson and uh, the ministry that's going on to children right now that somehow, you know, in... In, uh, in the way that we measure things, we seem to think that the ministry here is more important than the ministry that's going on across, you know, upstairs and in the cafeteria right now to the children. But the Bible says, you know, train up the child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it, from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. You know, I heard the story of a lady that, you know, she just said, look, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, I don't have time. I spend all day long with my children, homeschooling my children, and I don't have one ounce of strength left in me at the end of the day to do ministry. It's like I'm spent. And, you know, the guy responds. He says, you mean to tell me that you homeschool four children every day, you know, six to eight hours a day? And she says, yes. And he says, you don't think that's ministry? For some reason, you don't think that's ministry? It's the highest calling. It's one of the highest calling. Raising our children, raising another generation that will carry the torch to a lost and dying world. So loving your family. The fifth point is making disciples. Brian and I were talking about this this morning. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, 
He says, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And so, again, you know, when we think about that, we think about, okay, you know, find me, find me a good, solid Christian, somebody that's on track, and I'll take time. I'll take time out of my busy schedule. I will mentor him. I, you know, maybe we'll go to lunch. We'll go to coffee. I'll try to spend as much time, you know, with him as I can. But that's not what God's saying. You know, the point is that there are five different words for discipleship in the, in the New Testament. But one of those is that when we're discipling somebody, we disciple people that hate God and we disciple people that love God. And, and your goal as a minister of Jesus Christ, if, if somebody hates God, your goal is to bring them, move them just one step, six inches, move them one step closer to God. The same is true with those that know God and love God. Move them. Your goal is to move them one step closer to God, whether it's through encouragement reading the word, I'm praying for you. You know, I, um, I woke up this morning. You guys, those of you that know me know that, I mean, I'm, I, I don't need a lot of sleep. So I, I spend a lot of time in the word or listening to the word or listening to other pastors or preachers. But I woke up and I was thinking about this passage of scripture from um, Ezekiel or Exodus chapter 33. And the Lord says to, to Moses, he says, you know what? God, this is one of those places where God's frustrated. He said, you know what, just, you know, I made the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, about the promised land. And he said, I'm going to keep my promise. He said, just go ahead and go. He said, I'm, in fact, when you go, he said, I'm even going to bless you when you get there. Uh, I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build and vineyards that you didn't plant and wells that you didn't dig. You know, he said, I'm going to give you all of these things. Just go. He says, but I'm not going with you. Uh, you know, it's just like God's like throwing his hands up there. I'm not going. And uh, Moses says to God, he says, God, unless you go, unless you go with us, we're not moving from this spot. Because what Moses was saying, you know, what's more important? Moses is saying, I don't care about wells. I don't care about houses or fig trees or vineyards. I don't, I don't care about you know, the milk and honey, you can have it all. I don't care. Without you, God, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing without you. And, and Moses is saying, God, we desperately need you. We desperately need you. We desperately need you in our nation. We need you in this land. We need your healing hand. We need you in Santa Fe. We need the power of God to fall upon this city. We need the presence of God in this place. And that's what would bring healing to our land. Amen? Amen and amen. You know, I, I um, just kind of in line with this, I've heard this story told so many different times in so many different ways, and you probably have as well. I've hold it, heard it told about Europe. I've heard it told about America. But the bottom line was it was a missionary couple that had, they had spent 40 years in a missionary field, uh, and they had come to a point in their life where they just said that, you know, we're, we feel like our time is done. And so they wrote all of their supporters told them that they were quitting, that they were coming home, uh, reported that, you know, what time, when they would be home, they were coming into, I'm going to use America, because that's where we are, but they were coming into New York, they would be there at a certain, certain time, and, you know, as they began to approach uh, and could see the shoreline and got a little bit closer, they were on the upper deck, and there was a huge crowd. 
I mean, there was banners and flags. There was a band, you know, welcome home. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just like, man, they're looking at each other and tears are like streaming down their eyes and they're thinking, you know, we put in 40 years and I mean, these people are, you know, it's like our supporters are so incredible. They're, you know, it's just amazing that we'd have this kind of a turnout. And they gathered their stuff and they came down and, you know, their suitcases and by the time they crossed the plank, nobody was there. In fact, none of it was for them. It was for a, a politician that had achieved some great accomplishment overseas. And all of the fanfare, all of the bands, all of the banners, all of the blooms, all of the crowds was for a politician. And the husband says to the wife, he says, honey, I, I just can't believe it. He said, I can't believe, you know, that, you know, we come home and there's not one person here. And she grabs him by the hand and she said, hon, this is just New York. It's not home. All right? You understand that? But when we get home and when you get home, there will be shouts of triumph and there will be shouts of jubilee. And the scripture says that victory resounds in the tents of the righteous. And there will be all kinds of praise for you when you cross that line. And God says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful to me in little things. I will make you ruler over greater things. Amen? Amen. And we serve a great God. All right, we're going to, uh, we're going to come around to the table of the Lord and... Uh, as, as um, those are gathering the elements and preparing the service, I'm going to just share uh, just one more scripture with you. But Jesus talks about, and this is kind of interesting. He talks about denying our life in, from Matthew chapter 16. He says, if anyone desires to come to me or come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And you know what? I, I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you. I've read this scripture a hundred times. And I've just never finished it. But he says, let him take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whosoever loses his life for my sake will follow it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And usually that's where I stop. And maybe you do as well. But it goes on. It says, the Son of Man will come in glory and the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his work. And so, don't just think about Sunday as your spiritual day. Think about, really, probably the most important day. I mean, it's important for us to obviously read the word, fellowship together, worship and praise together. But, you know, your real work starts tomorrow morning in the workplace. And how people will look at you, and how they will respond to you, and how you respond back to them. These are the things that God is taking notice of. These are the things that he's marking in his book. These are the things that will cause him to say, you know, I know that you laid down your life. You sacrificed time and talent and energy and family and finances for the kingdom of God's sake. And your reward will not be forgotten. Amen.